John the Baptist is in a dungeon. Why? For having been faithful to his prophetic mission and confronting the corruption and the sin in Herod. One of the fundamental promises of the Messiah was the expected deliverance of prisoners. Isaiah said that he will set the captives free. And here comes a crisis for John the Baptist. Wait. I announced him. I gave him my own disciples. And here I am lingering in this dungeon. And I'm not being set free. So, he doubts. Imagine the suffering of this man in top of being in the dungeon, this crisis of doubt. Is he the one, or shall we look for another? And so he sends, he's able to contact his disciples and go and ask him, ask Jesus that. And Jesus does not reassure him, doesn't tell him he's going to be set free. He simply tells the disciples, tell him what you're seeing here. What are they seeing? The blind can see, the lame can walk, the lepers are being cleaned, the deaf can hear, the dead resurrecting, all these signs and wonders and miracles. Gospel is being announced to the poor. What happened to set the captives free? Is not even mentioned. Oh, so the Messiah comes and he is doing all this for everybody. And I'm the one who prepared the way. Nothing. My brothers and sisters, are we, are we ready for this? And to then believe that the Lord is reserving for us the greatest privilege. John the Baptist indeed is the greatest because he's going to share most intimately the passion of Jesus by being a precursor even in that. What is life about? Being healed? Being set free from prison? You know, we can be very pious, but when we are tested in this way, are we going to remain faithful? That's the Gospel's question for today. The second reading speaks about don't murmur against your brothers, because the judge is coming. So if you're judging and murmuring is, you know, blah, 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 talking about how things should be or not be, you're usurping the place of the judge, who is Jesus Christ, not us. And thinking about this gospel, I felt myself convicted. Because there have been a few moments in the pilgrimage where I kind of, no, truly, I murmured, not in a the most horrible way, but it was a fault. But I say, you know, just not attentiveness, whatever, blah, blah. And it's truly self-righteousness. It's, um, you have 
plans and your ideals and whatever doesn't conform to what you expect or you want, you feel you have the license to, to murmur and not respect your brothers and sisters. You see? So I repent. You know, I told you before, I really saw it today. And how, how stupid it is, how foolish. Because you have been so wonderful, all of you. But when we have this um, attitude, anything can trigger us. Even the, the most insignificant, and it could, it could blind us from seeing the marvelous things that God is doing because we are focused into our own pettiness. And the Lord is seeking for us to repent and to change. John the Baptist, as you know, was decapitated out of the whim of a woman who was waiting to strike with vengeance and taking advantage of the drunkenness of Herod. It's a typical situation where it seems that the bad guys always win. Just like on Good Friday. You know the ones going to Emmaus? Nothing changes. You can talk about loving and forgiving and all kinds of beautiful things, but at the end, the Romans have the power. It's the army. And Jesus is a defeated man. Jesus in their eyes, is a total failure. That's what he is for the world. What is he for us? Who is he? In the case of Emmaus, he invites them to walk with him as he recounts the whole history of salvation keyed on the cross. Did you not understand that this had to happen? And then they start coming aware, amazed, waking up. So we too live the cross. And the cross can be a beautiful, pious symbol, but when we live it, when somebody in your family is put in a dungeon, or when you're put in a dungeon, when we see violence strike in the most horrendous ways, Lourdes and I, before coming, we saw a documentary that is called The Hidden Rebellion. It's a documentary of the French Revolution. This whole territory of France resisted the call of the government to abolish the Catholic faith. They resisted. And the government from Paris orchestrated a genocide to wipe out men, women, children in the most horrendous ways, the most humiliating ways, torturing them, drowning them, decapitating them, men, women and children. By the end of the documentary, uh, Lourdes was saying, oh my God, it's amazing that God would allow these things to happen. This is the gospel today. So it calls us to re-see everything in Christ. Re-see, rediscover everything in light of the cross. 
in light of the gospel. And very few want to go there. Very few. Go from a religion that is basically, Lord, protect me and set everything comfortable for me and my family, to truly be victims of love. But the reality of the cross comes to everybody. To victim souls, just as much as the pagans of the world. The difference is, how do we live it? Why do we choose to be, and therefore to do, under trial? John the Baptist was beloved by Christ, deeply beloved. He was his cousin. He was not ignoring his suffering. You know what Jesus was doing? Jesus was living an interior martyrdom as all this was going on. He would rather be in the dungeon himself, but he allows it, and John the Baptist chooses to continue to be faithful. And 2,000 years have come and gone. And where is John the Baptist? Here we are, inspired by him, moved by him. And where are Herod and Herodias and the, the rest of the crew? I don't know. But just in case, I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. <laughs> but I want to be where John the Baptist is. Because life is too brief. At the end, the only thing that matters is, did you love until the end? Did you trust in God? Now, we can have difficulties. We can have moments of crisis like he did. The important thing is that through them all, we grow. And we are faithful until the end.